Well, my friends, Gia Deebshu, it's Jerry Adams and Shaw. Augusta Sola Gowil Shivshu, Gumoy. Well, Sunday marked 24 years from the historic referendum in May 1998 that saw almost three quarters of people in the North vote in support of the Good Friday Agreement. And despite the twists and turns in the years since then, the agreement has proved resilient in maintaining peace and in plotting a course for constitutional, political and economic change in the North and across these islands. But now the Good Friday Agreement is under threat. Arguably, that has always been the case as far as the elements of unionism are concerned. But for their part, successive British governments have refused to implement parts of the agreement. And the Tories in particular have been guilty of this. Especially the current crowd. And now they're threatening the core of the agreement. It did mark a defining moment in our recent history. It has underpinned the peace process. But it was never a settlement. It provided the space in which our different political and constitutional perspectives that form part of our shared colonial experience. It created the space that this can be debated upon and discussed and out of which a new future can be agreed. For those of us who want it, the agreement provides a mechanism to achieve self-determination and an opportunity to undo the disaster of partition and to achieve a united Ireland democratically. And it's this essential part of the agreement, among other elements, but this particular part I want to stress in this podcast, it's been targeted now. The agreement is clear. A majority is needed for constitutional change. However, there's also currently a sinister effort underway by some to attack, apart from London, this core principle of the agreement. There is a suggestion being made that it might be time for provisions of the Good Friday Agreement to be rewritten. And Tanishta Leo Varadkar went as far as to propose that any decision on the unity referendum should have a role for the Assembly. The real politic is that any decision on a referendum will be taken by the two governments not by a British Secretary of State. That's above his or her pay grade. And clarification on the criteria for this might be useful, but any suggestion that the Good Friday Agreement should be rewritten and this crucial aspect of it amended must be resisted. The Good Friday Agreement has stood the test of time. Its flaws rest primarily with the failures of the two governments to fulfil commitments that they made. The British government is not to be trusted with our future any more than it can be trusted with our past. Our future is for the people of this island to decide. The agreement and the people of the North have not been well served so far by the current Irish government. And Taoiseach Micheál Martin has allowed relationships with the British government almost disappear. Arguably, this is the British government's fault, and I I accept that this is a difficult government to deal with, but Taoiseach has done little to counter 
the British approach. He rarely mentions the North unless it's to attack Sinn Féin. His instinct on the issue is not good. And for months, there was no worthwhile contact between the two governments. And that surely is on Taoiseach's responsibility. His government has refused to challenge the British government in a strategic and consistent way. When moved by dint of public pressure, for example, on London's amnesty for its forces and their allies, Dublin's attitude has usually been rhetorical and without real substance. So the Irish government has a lot to do. It should be planning for the future in an inclusive, transparent and democratic way. And it should be defending and implementing the Good Friday Agreement. I want to return to the murder of the Palestinian-American journalist Shireen Abu Akhlef and to the shameful decision by the Israeli government to cover up this murder by refusing to hold a criminal investigation into Shireen's killing. Now, this will come as no great surprise to most people. In our own place, there are victims, groups representing hundreds of families struggling for truth decades after their loved ones were killed by the British state forces. Last week, the London government introduced its so-called Troubles, Legacy and Reconciliation Bill, which makes future efforts at truth almost impossible for victims. Its real objective is set out in the second paragraph of the bill, which states, For too long, veterans and former service personnel have lived in fear of prosecution for actions taken while serving their country in order to uphold the rule of law. This is what rogue states do. They cover up and they protect the criminal actions of those charged with defending the policies, strategies and self-interest of governments involved in conflict. The apartheid Israeli regime has a long track record of this. So too have the British government. The families and victims are on the front line of challenging these decisions. And so also are journalists, many of them who are targets of vilification, censorship, threats, and increasingly death. According to reporters without borders, Shireen's murder is one of 35 journalists murdered and 144 who have been wounded by the apartheid Israeli regime since 2000. Israel isn't the only dangerous place for journalists. Here in the north, Martin O'Hagan and Lyra McKee were both killed as they carried out their work as journalists. Since the invasion of Ukraine, media reports have put the number of journalists killed at around 20. Last year, the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization reported that 55 journalists were killed worldwide. So there is an imperative on governments and the international community to defend a free press and to protect journalists. And so to a better piece of news, the wonderful La Jarug that I was uplifted by and delighted to be part of just walking along 
with all of those at Gilgary. And the, the echo of thousands of cheerful, excited voices raised in defiance, reverberated off the buildings along Royal Avenue and into Donegal Place to the front of Belfast City Hall. The raised voices called for Irish language rights, for equality and for respect. The slogans demanded Act Nagilga Anish, Irish Language Act Nai, Cheer Gan Changa, Cheer Gan Anam. A country without a language is a country without a soul. That La Mor Jarag March organised by Andram Jarag was undoubtedly one of the most colourful, exuberant and spectacular protest marches that Belfast has witnessed in many, many years. From just before noon, folks began to arrive in their hundreds at Encolterlan, Magam, Ophi on the Falls Road. Most were wearing the familiar red T-shirt with the white circle that is the symbol of Enlal Jarag, the, the Fania, against the red background. By one o'clock, the hundreds had become thousands. A sea of red stretched across the Falls Road and packed into the small streets around it. Families pushing prams, parents carrying small children on their shoulders, other children carrying their homemade little posters. Akdanish, young people in their thousands, laughing, enthusiastic, cheering, clapping, yelling, eager, animated, determined. Banners from solidarity groups, from trade unions, from political parties, colourful ethnic groups dancing and singing. Unsurprisingly, the march was late starting, but as it slowly made its way down the Falls Road, in bright sunshine, the extent of the huge number of people participating quickly became apparent. One enterprising activist put up a drone. The video footage is startling. The Falls Road and Belfast City Centre are filled by a river of red shirts. The chants of the marchers can be heard plainly. Kyarta Anish, Act Anish. Rights Nye, Act Nye. Tamad Jarag, Jarag Lafarag. We are red, red with anger. Saturday's march and the growth in Irish medium education is an example of what can be achieved even when British governments and unions' political leaders refuse to honour commitments and legislate for rights. The Good Friday Agreement in 1998 said, All participants recognise the importance of respect, understanding and tolerance in relation to linguistic diversity. In respect of the Irish language, Ulster Scots and the languages of various ethnic communities, all of which are part of the cultural wealth of the island of Ireland. Specifically, and in relation to the Irish language, the British government committed to take resolute action to promote the language and to facilitate and encourage the use of the language in speech and writing, in public and private life where there is appropriate demand, and to seek to remove, where possible, restrictions would discourage or work against the maintenance or development of the language. These commitments were not honoured. Eight years later, at the St Andrews negotiations, the British government committed to the introduction of Act Nagilga. In the 16 years since then, one promise has followed another, and all have been broken. 
as one deadline for Act Nagelga has passed without legislation being introduced. Despite the prevarication, the stalling, the discrimination and the antipathy towards the Irish language and Gaelgory, the resilience and resolve of Irish language activists and those citizens who support language rights has frustrated the naysayers and the begrudgers. The use of the Irish language and the numbers of young people attending Irish medium education has grown year on year. So if you weren't able to get along to Saturday's La More Jarug, then click onto the link https slash slash www.youtube.com forward slash watch question mark B O A H Z T Z dash A V T C and just uh, as a thought when the Irish Language Act comes in and remember that will only be a, a staging post it's, it's, it's too uh, puny an instrument to fulfil the needs of the Irish language community but it's it's a good start August it's a job my tous my la and ebra so just remember when the act does come in it will have got rid of the last remnant of the penal laws which still exist in this part of our island so let's go out again with something fitting and Sheelan Gawilshin Auron Galanta La Hothouse Flowers and One Tongue Gunyirianta Lebsha Slan Lebsha Slan Gufoy
Touch the bass and make this sound. 